0: Oh my god! We've been waiting so long for this. Thank you so much for all your help. This has been so amazing. I I just I'm over the moon. Thank you so much. I know, humper We've been trying for so long. You guys are the
1: best room ever.
0: Drop it. Duncan and Bo come correct. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Duncan and Bo Come Correct. A very special episode. Uh, in this case, uh, a little bit of a goof. We're uh, we're Duncan and myself. Uh hey Duncan. Hey Bo, we're crazy. Right. Every movie must go, Duncan. <laughs> you can't afford not to watch movies at these prices. Um <laughs> and if you watch enough of them,
1: you get the couch free. Bo's couch.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. So I'm excited about this show because we're talking about what we've been watching lately and and uh doing a little bit of a catch up on on what movies have come down the pipe that uh, we're excited to talk about or uh, mm-hmm. enjoyed or, and whatnot. Um, partly because after we finish recording this, I'm going to cook dinner and watch a movie. And oh. if there's one in particular that is available to me and you're like, you know, Faith in Begora, Duncan, You Watch this movie or I'll bash you with my shillelagh. I, and, I
1: hate it when uh, I speak in an Irish accent and refer to you as me. I really hate that when <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. But it, it happens often enough that I felt like the impression was still accurate. Um, <laughs> so, and then, but but soon, everyone, we're going to be back with regular episodes as True Detective uh, Season 3 starts. This is the last little bonus episode before we, we doff our detective hats mm-hmm. and, and dive into a new investigation.
1: I can't wait. I can't like they are now starting to actively ramp up the the promotion for that. Um, I noticed that another little a little thing arrived today on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, I really, really can't wait to see this." Plus, the, the the guy whose name I can't pronounce who's the main character, Moonlight Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the Green Book, which was a movie that I saw last night, which we raved about on our um, Ballad of Buster uh, Scruggs. Recording uh, as a movie that I just seen that I think is fucking great. Um, And he's phenomenal in that as well. So he's a a great actor, and I can't wait to see what he does over three time frames in that movie, uh, in that TV show. Sorry, I think it's going to be kind of amazing. And once again, Jeremy's on you. So, you know, I mean, tick, tick, tick. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, It's just making me a happy guy. So you'll be spending maybe between eight i think it's eight or nine episodes it'll be so eight weeks with us and kicking off your new year in styley so yeah
0: can't wait excellent i uh duncan i feel like we should uh get going here because inevitably something's gonna uh take us on a tangent yeah derail Uh, (laughs) so i'm gonna begin uh just because i feel like let's start on a high note let's get something out of the way uh, because we haven't done a regular show in a while, and we haven't talked about this, we've got a giant backlog. Um, there is a, a series, Duncan, that landed on the Netflix. Um, yeah. And uh, we were both looking forward to it because you did an episode of Podcast Under the Stairs, bonus episode entitled Flanagan's." Yes. All, <laughs> all, all about Mike Flanagan, featuring uh, myself and Jamie uh, Sammons. Mm -hmm. and uh so mike flanagan drops the haunting of hill house a um what was it 10 episodes of uh of haunting goodness Mm -hmm. and I are you ready for the shocker on this one bo yeah did have you not seen it i've not watched it yet oh my goodness
1: i'm i'm maybe the only horror fan (laughs) On, in the world that hasn't seen it yet because it's my me and my wife are going to watch it over Christmas because we both have time off and we we were like that yeah we're going to sit down and binge this TV show um so I know believe it or not I have somehow managed to remain unspoiled about it as well I I know very little about the story I know who the cast is and I've obviously seen articles that say ghosts are hidden in the background. Wait till the big scare of episode six. Um, but that's literally all I know about it, uh-huh. uh, except that it has everyone rock hard, hard as a dickens, Bo. Um, and yeah, I, I, like, I don't need to see it to know that it's amazing. But what I am interested is Bo's opinion on it.
0: Well, Duncan, and I thought it was a big stinky pile of poo poo.
1: <laughs> You're a liar.
0: No, I loved it. I I think it's a an incredible uh achievement. Like hmm. I think it's the best thing that Mike Flanagan may ever do. You
1: That's know? a bold statement. It's Moran,
0: it's fucking good, man. And the I have my problems with the last couple of episodes. I think that it doesn't necessarily end well. Mm-hmm. But I. My complaint is with twenty minutes of six hundred. Yeah, and I will take five hundred and eighty awesome minutes <laughs> of television <laughs> to twenty shitty ones any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Is um, it
1: shitty? Is it shitty, or is it just a kind of a, a bit of a letdown? Is it bad? No, is no, 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 Bad, or is it just maybe not connecting the way you wanted it to?
0: It's just uh how to say this because i don't i don't wanna i don't want to spoil it any in any way for you it it feels totally different to me right in in a way that i i was like eh, i don't i don't know that this ending fits what i feel like i was watching right and
1: at, at the- Obviously, there's been an announcement saying that they're greenlit a season two and all the rest going. Do you feel that the end and once again, not giving anything away, but do you feel that the end and its tonality that doesn't fit in it is because they're trying to set up a
0: sequel or did it feel like, you know, this is a definite finish? No, no, no. It, it was like, this is the way we're going to end this story. Right. And I just don't agree with it. Cool. So, uh, but a couple of points about uh, Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it legitimately scared me.
1: This is what I keep hearing. Like, everyone I know that's like that, you know, I don't get scared before, seldom do I get scared, have all told me that there's at least one to three scenes in it that are, like, pants-shittingly scary. Like, actually, like, whoa! You know, sort of, like, what the fuck? Sort of things, which makes me excited because... Short of a very close relative dying in front of my eyes, nothing shocks me. Bro,
0: so Yeah, I I don't want to oversell any of that. I don't know that, like, you could go through the whole thing and be like, okay, there's, you know, there is a jump scare that is probably going to get you because it gets everybody. Yeah. But other than that, if you just came away from it, because there are a handful of things I can point to and think, like oh that's really chilling and that's a really creepy concept and that kind of thing but it's sort of the overall atmosphere that impressed me most that
1: but that's what i that's what works with me in movies that are to do with hauntings It's less the kind of boo scare and more the stuff that sticks with me is more to do with it's one of the reasons i love the innkeepers is the innkeepers is a movie that gradually starts Mm. turning up the atmosphere and the creepy factor, and none of that movie is predicated on jump scares at all. Um, yet it sticks with me, and I think it's really well done. So if that's what you're saying, this does well, then that makes me happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think it does that very well. I I think th- there are some great moments and and great lines, and and there and also another thing that Flanagan, I mean, aside from like writing this beast of a project and directing the whole thing. The the level of technical difficulty, you know, like, you know how Olympic divers will select a dive based on difficulty to -hmm. to help with the scores. There is, uh, you might have heard about this as well, there is a one-shot... Yeah. yeah, that happens in, in, I believe it's episode six, if not six. Yeah, it's seven. the one,
1: as, as six is the one that everyone's been talking about. Once again, I know nothing about yeah. it,
0: except that there is
1: a, a one-shot scene in six, which is visually stunning, so.
0: Yeah, but it's one of those things of, like, a degree of difficulty thing, of, like, you don't have to shoot this episode this way, it just happens to work a ton better if you do, but also, you could really fuck this up, and seeing Mike Flanagan stick the landing on that episode, which cover to cover like episodes five, six and seven are just fucking amazing. Just take it as, as like, a, uh, a, like three episodes of we've got all the exposition out of the way. This is sort of the meat of like, now it's time to just play around and scare our audience. Some, and it just mm. fucking goes bananas in a wonderful way. I love it. Uh, yeah, no, that, uh, Haunting of Hill House, if, if it had screened in a theater, which it might have, uh I would say it, it would be tough to push it off the top horror thing I will see this year. And in a year better when I saw The, the terror, terror.
1: I was about to say better than The Terror, because The Terror, like yeah. right, audience members will remember that it's not, that, lo-
0: yeah, not that long ago
1: that you were yeah. saying The Terror could be the best thing that you've seen this year full stop.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. It's that good, and it's that kind of embarrassment of, of riches on television right now, where it's like, it, do I take the incredibly classy, almost epistolary solitude of the terror, or the big chill meets The Shining with The Haunting of Hill House? Mm-hmm. And either way, you fucking win, Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> It's,
1: this year's been an like you talk that I love that phrase that you use about an embarrassment of riches, but I've been spoiled this year with content. Like, oh, I genuinely feel that way. I know that we might start like starting to tread off on certain movies where you know I think they're better than you, or you think movies are better than mine. Mm-hmm. But I've seen very few things this year that I thought were bad. You know what I mean, I've not actively been searching for bad movies, but I've seen very few things that I would say were bad. The mm-hmm. almost everything I saw at the cinema this year, as in a cinematic horror release, has been at a bare minimum three out of five, up to five out of five for me. So, like that, to me, speaks volumes. And I've seen a lot of horror titles at the cinema this year, like loads more than I've ever seen, and just because of the the confidence that studios have in putting them out. Um, and just tons of indie indie content as well that we'll touch on. That I think, and that's before we even start looking at TV. I think this year has been pretty phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I like the fact that you're telling me the fact that we live in a year where the terror, which was a show that I kind of side with you on, and as an uh, an experience and an event. I think the terror is one of the best things I've seen this year. And now you're telling me that Mike Flanagan, surprise, surprise, uh, decides to turn his hand to a horror TV show, and that is better than it? Um, Just make, like, we're spoiled, man. We're absolutely Mm -hmm. spoiled.
0: Well, quit being such a movie tease. Uh, Throw me (laughs) one of the titles, what you've been watching.
1: Right, let's 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 get a biggie out of the way. I've not listened to your review yet, so I don't know where you've landed with your score, but you have just discussed it on Devour the Podcast. Plug for Bo's other show, Devour the Podcast. Yay. Um yeah. Um so Suspiria. Big title that I was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously a remake, loose remake, I'll say, <laughs> um, of the classic Dario Argento nineteen seventy seven. Feels uh, right, seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That feels right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, seventy seven um just masterclass in, in horror visual cinema. Um surrealist
0: oh, like, Italian. Yeah. Just you know, incre- day glow horror. yeah yeah
1: the yeah. goblin soundtrack oh, you know just like yeah, yeah just the whole works so, like it's a movie that is is so bold that like very much like the end of any ro- like good roller coaster you know it's like you have just experienced hispira you know what i mean it's like you like, like you have You've you've watched Suspina, whatever that thing comes up at the end. To me, is always that kind of thing. Of there's that's how that's how ballsy Argento is. Is like that. You have survived this experience. Now go forth and try and live the rest of your life. Um, and there was a lot of like when it was announced that they were going to be remaking it. There was a lot of people that got kind of sniffy about it. Um, I never, surprisingly, I, I just thought there's no way they'll be able to do what Argento did, and that. Hopefully they won't try, mm. um, because I've kind of already seen a try at that. Neon Demon, for all intents and purposes, is really the kind of the visual stylings and kind of loose remake of Suspiria, um, just done in a different industry. Uh, but you know, Nicholas Windenreff and went for that full or kind of updated or gentle styling um, that I didn't want it to be that, and it isn't that at all. I will say, though, that I found it wholly captivating. I thought the premise was brilliant. I thought the execution of the actual story about the witches himself was handled in a way that I I really can't think I've ever seen done in a movie before. I love the connection of witchcraft to dancing ritual. I l- I've never seen that done in a movie and I thought it worked really, really well. It has maybe one single shot of horror in it, which disturbed me greatly to the point where I felt like I haven't, once again, I have never seen a contortion scene, if you know what I'm on yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was wholly fucking disturbing. Sure. And the way they remove uh, the body afterwards was, once again, deeply unsettling to me. Um And I just loved the performance. Uh, I think uh, Tilda Swindon is fucking incredible in it. Like, genuinely, I loved the Tom York soundtrack. I thought it was subtle. Uh, It wasn't overpowering at all where the Goblin soundtrack is. It's kind of like they inverted a lot of it. And instead of the witch stuff, which is so in the background of the Argento movie until the end... Really, the witchcraft stuff is just this. Is it happening in the building? This is a movie that leans heavily into it. Mm-hmm. And I just love the story. I, I love the world it built. Um, I love the portrayal of the witches. I, thought, I I I was captivated by it. It has lost a lot of love because of the end. Um, I loved the ending. I thought the ending was, was kind of fucking awesome. And once again, that's when it went that's when it went full kind of 70s Italian horror at the end Um, it teased a lot all the way through it and then it it let its freak flag fly right at the very end and yeah I adored it I, I don't think it's the best I think in any other year where I hadn't seen the top three movies that I have for this year in the horror category if they had not been out this year I think Suspiria would have topped my list um, did you have the same enjoyment level I did? Uh,
0: no, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as you did. Uh, hmm. I think it's good. Um, I just don't think it's great. I, I think that... I I don't care for Dakota to to Johnson in it. Uh, I, don't I, 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 I don't think her performance is very good, actually. And and that's a big bummer. Uh, Tilda Swinton is, of course, amazing. I, I like the fact that it is just as surreal and weird in a totally different way. Hmm. Like, you know, 20 years from now, you could make another movie called Suspiria that was the same basic framework, but, you know, a, a totally well, different visual style or something. Do you
1: like Jessica Harper's performance in Suspiria? Yeah,
0: but that's kind of not the point
1: either, you know? I, I think, I think Dakota Johnson is... Is equally as good as Jessica Harper. I, th- I just think she's better than Jessica Harper's performance in Suspiria.
0: Right. Well, but I, uh, I, yeah, I just don't care for, uh, for her performance in this. Right. Um, you know, it, it, again, I, none of this is, you know, a, a total condemnation of this new Suspiria. There's a lot to like about it. It's got a great eye. Uh, you know, Swinton, of course, the the stuff with uh the witches. I I wish there had been a little bit more you know is it or is it not supernatural but this movie does just immediately like now fuck it this is witches 100% <laughs> witches um and that's fine you know that all that all that's fine but you know it just made moves where it was like ah i just wish this were a little more subtle i wish it were more lyrical the way that the original is and uh you th- think the original soul <sighs> If not, subtle is probably the wrong word for it. It feels a little more dreamlike, I yes. suppose. Yes,
1: I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. The first movie is a movie that I think really sets the standard of what a dreamlike horror movie should be, um, and few movies capture that and it's nothing to do. If anything is is dreamlike, without being like without using all the techniques that movies use to make a movie dreamlike, which is like soft lighting and all the rest. Argento goes the other way, yeah, and it's like vivid fucking, it's vivid bright lighting and like very ostentatious death sequences and all the rest. Um So yeah, I, yeah, it's not as it's, it's not a dreamlike movie at all. Uh, like the, like, the uh, kind of that's what I like about it is it felt like. The new Suspiria movie feels really, if anything, I hate to use this word, but it feels really grounded.
0: You know yes, what I mean? Yes, 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 yes.
1: Scarily grounded in the point where I was like that, yeah, I, you know, like maybe their, their witchcraft, it could be two steps away from being, you know, like, um, like you say, maybe all in their head. Um or whatever are the effects of what happens and, like, you know, and kind of cult-speaking stuff. Um, I'm kind of glad that they, they removed themselves pretty quick from that, because what I want is a witch movie. Like, that's what I, that's what I really want is a witch movie. Um, and I kind of feel that's what I got, if you know what I mean, in a way that yeah. I've never seen before. Like, this, to me, is the... This is, to me, how a, a, a kind of modern coven of witches would act. Um... You know, they would all live together and they would all eat at the same dinner table, and you know, you know, some of them would disagree with others, and some of them would be miserable. And I love the kind of politics of it, like internal and external.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I can. I, I'm a bit dismayed that you didn't like it as much as I did, but you're not saying you disliked it, so I can live with that
0: right yeah no i i I think it's perfectly fine i'm i'm curious to watch it again and see what my experience is with it a second time Mm. um because you know like on the same show as a matter of fact on uh, that episode of devour the movie we talked about before that was killing of a sacred deer oh i love that movie right and and the more i watch that movie the more i love it yeah, to the point now where I just think it's maybe one of the best movies <laughs> I've seen in a decade. You know, yeah, it
1: was one of the best movies last year. Yeah, by far. And his new movie looks fucking
0: nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it looks great. And um, uh, what's his name? Giannis, uh Thakmanis. Mm-hmm. Something yeah something like that like that. that sounds and, pretty good yeah <laughs> and it, but anyway he's an a incredibly interesting director and i'll tell you the the line from um uh, uh sacred deer that really had me in stitches because i think it's a surprisingly funny movie
1: oh it's a dark comedy yeah. yeah
0: it's it's when colin farrell says uh is threatening his kid and tell him to like stand up and get out of the chair and all that and mm-hmm. he's like if you, i'm telling you if you don't get out of that chair i'm gonna shave your head is yeah. that what you want for me to shave your head and then I'm gonna feed you your hair. How would you like that? To eat your own hair. <laughs> and it's such a bizarre threat. But it it man, I laughed so hard the last time I watched it when that scene comes around. It I love it.
1: Like when he is like when he has to spin round with the shotgun. Oh my god, I know. It's like I the the sweat that was running down my ass crack for like watching like that that's a movie that just is so it, it sticks with you like it stuck with me for about 3 days after I watched it and um yeah i i i deeply love that movie um and yeah, uh, that, 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 to me, like, if you're saying that on an episode you did reviews of A Killing of a Sacred Deer and the new Suspiria movie, that to me is a good fucking time for yeah. Ransdell. Yeah, you know and, what I mean? and, that, and,
0: and and there was part of me too that almost felt like watching Killing of a Sacred Deer and then discussing the new Suspiria is in some ways unfair because mm-hmm. it's like I've had more time with Sacred Deer. I know where it's coming from. Like, I, I feel like when I watch that movie, I have a pretty good handle on yeah. what... what what is going on thematically in that film and coming out of, uh, this Asperia, I felt like there were a lot of themes going on. And I never felt like any of them were satisfyingly resolved the way that mm-hmm. they are in, in killing deer. Um, so I don't know. I I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing it again. Again. I don't think it's bad. I, I tell people like, Hey, if you haven't seen it and you enjoyed the original Susperia for all, it's kind of student film weirdness, then this is that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a director doing director shit.
1: Oh yeah, like that's the. the I, I'll get. I will give him this. He made the movie his own. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, for sure, hundred percent. That is his own movie. And yeah, I I would very happily, very what I th- what I hope they do, and I know they won't do it, but what I'd hope they do is that the because there has been rumblings of. You know a sequel, uh. You know, like a a, a kind of a remake of the the kind of three mother the three mothers. What I would do if I was them is I would find another equally interesting director and give them Inferno to make, and then I would find a third equally interesting director and give them Mother of Tears to remake. And that to me is how you do that. You don't just leave it with the same guy to do. Because I've seen that kind of bleak. Kind of very cold industrial German, you know, witch movie. I've seen that now. Mm. That was cool. I really liked that. What I want to see is Inferno, and I want to see that shot in the 80s with all the vibrancy that comes with the 80s with a different director um, who takes a completely different spin on it um, and and, and captures, uh, you know, the the, the vibe of, uh, was it, uh, Mater Tenebranum? Um, as you know, as the uh, as an inferno, and, and cover that aspect, and then you know, I want maybe even a third decade, maybe maybe handle the nineties and do Mother of Tears and that one mm. with a completely different director again, and that to me is a really interesting project. That's a project I could really get behind. I know he's the director himself has said that he, he's quite interested in doing the trilogy himself. And if they do that, yeah, if he has full creative control and all the rest, maybe that'll be interesting. But I, I want some other voices in there doing their own thing uh, with it and really building it. Because it's the, mytho- the the mythology, once again, the, maybe the, one of the gripes I have with Suspiria, um the remake, is the gripe that I have with the original Suspiria in that there is a promise of this really interesting story of the three mothers, which like Argento kind of loses interest in, as soon as he finishes making Suspiria, and that's why it's never really addressed in Inferno. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of loosely tried to be addressed in Mother of Tears, but it's it's not very well written. That you know there's plenty scope coming off the back of this one to do that, and I hope they do. I, I really, really do. I think it's a it could be a really interesting trilogy in the right hands.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I say let's give Argento another swipe at Mother of Tears. Let's see. Let's just yeah. be like, you fucked it up the first time. Let's see what you could do.
1: I, I I don't hate that movie, but I know why people don't like it. I know, like, I can clearly see the, what they should do first and foremost is make sure that the writers of the Toolbox Murders remake, who actually wrote the script for Mother of Tears, are nowhere near it. Mm-hmm. That's what they do first. <laughs>
0: so uh all right so um yeah so suspiri i think we're both saying you know more so duncan than myself myself but yeah if you haven't seen it please see it um mm-hmm. hey uh have you seen upgrade i have so i thought upgrade uh was not great but it yeah. had flashes of fucking brilliance like yes i'm with you on that i think it is uh it is a e- is a a middle of the
1: road movie that has two or three scenes. I thought this is really, really, really cool. I can't wait to write. You've not, you're not doing it. All right. That's fine.
0: (laughs) Right. By the time it gets to the end of it, it's like, uh, I, all right, fine. You know, it's like this (laughs) reluctant ending that I have with, with the, uh, the conclusion of that film. But, um, the, The scene where he's going to try to get information from the dude, like it's the first scene where the upgrade for listeners, the whole premise of this movie is that this guy ends up being uh, paralyzed and a super smart tech guy says, hey, we can give you this chip that'll help you walk. It's like an AI built into your body that can help control uh, uh, your limbs and you can walk again. And this guy does so. And the chip is maybe a bad influence mm-hmm. uh, on his behavior, but it's the first time where the AI kind of takes over the dude's body when it's like, Hey, you know, and, and it's kind of neat. Cause the AI has to be like, do you, uh, are you giving me permission to take over your body now? And he's like, yeah, by all means. And then because it's a computer and knows what a human body is capable of and doesn't give a shit if you have to stretch first, um, mm. then just goes about like destroying a dude. In a really cool way, just very quick and efficient. And, and it's, it's, that whole scene is shot really cool. And, uh, the both direction and performance, I think, uh, hand in hand here of this guy being able to, um, portray the physicality of like, no, this is an artificial intelligence using a human body. So it's not natural movements. It's all very precise. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool. And then a bunch of dumb shit happens, and makes me not care. And then some <laughs> cool stuff will happen again. And I'm like, right? Why isn't the movie just doing this a bunch? Yeah, what that 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 was my
1: biggest gripe with the movie. Um, out with the fact that I don't think Lee Winnell is a good director. Um i think he's an interesting writer but i don't think he's a great director and i don't think the direction in the movie was all that great either but we'll get back to that in a second yeah the movie to me i'd like it clearly wears its influence in its sleeve you know like i was watching it and i was thinking robocop like it's difficult not to think robocop when you're watching it because it, it clearly nods towards not only that decade but it nods towards those sort of movies and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really really cool um I I loved a lot of the kind of the fight sequences were great and all the rest, but like you, that's kind of where I think the movie's bread and butter is, and they use it too sparingly for me. Um, and then it's just a whole lot of who gives a shit story uh, with an ending which I imagine, like Lee Wenell thought, was really edgy and dark, and I just made my eyes roll in the way that um, uh, Downey Junior's gif of his eyes rolling. Roles. Like I Literally, I was just like, alright, here we go. Um, yeah, and that, that side of things just didn't really work for me. Um, but I know that me and you are in the minority on this one as well, because there seems to be... Everyone else seems to think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and once again, I would love to see the movie through their eyes, but to me, it's just a... It's a mediocre movie with a couple of really interesting ideas and a couple of flashes of brilliance um but it's just lost in a story that i don't really care about
0: <laughs> well because the story is really pedestrian and when you get yeah. to the you know so-called twist at the end it's like eh, yeah all right fine
1: yeah uh, it's literally like but it, it was weird how many times i was watching the movie and it made me want to watch robocop again
0: yeah like it'll really do that. Yeah. yeah you're
1: like totally wanted to like when like soon as upgrade finished i watched robocop again i was like ah, i need to i can dig out my cup of robocop and i watched that and then just once again marveled in the absolutely un- unadulterated joy of, of verhoeven's robocop just going like that this movie like i saw this at an age i shouldn't have and it still fucking rocks um, but yeah, I'd like as as an interesting little. Like, I'm good. I mean, it's I I think it's maybe Lee Winnell's best directed movie. Um, but I still don't, I still don't think he's there yet. It's an interesting project from him, from a guy that has ostensibly been writing those Insidious movies. <laughs> so it's better than Insidious Last Key. So
0: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's better than. Uh, well, I was gonna say the nun, but you know, uh, I yeah. don't know that those two are necessarily all that related. Um, at any <laughs> rate, I just I got a fucking phone. Threw any title in there. Yeah, <laughs> it's not as good to say like the Ten Commandments, Duncan. Um, yeah. no. Uh, so well, what else? Uh, that that's an upgrade for me. What what uh, what do you got? Have
1: you checked Have you checked out Apostle yet?
0: i have not man i've i've gotten about uh geez like 30 minutes into it and Mm. then got called away and just haven't gone back to it yet i i know i know i'm what an asshole i am i may watch no i I mean it is a long movie
1: and i i hear people complaining about the length of it once again it's not an. i see i don't have an issue with the length of a movie if i'm invested in the world you know that is building sure Um, right 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 And a lot of people, I think, take a movie as being slow because they don't understand character development. And in some circumstances, character development can be done really quickly. Uh, We've mentioned it many times before. Like, um, a, a recent example you mentioned, actually, which I think is a really good indication of it, is the beginning of the poltergeist. You're introduced to a family in a really unique, very, very, very quick way, and then that's you. You don't really need to know if, with the first five minutes of that movie, you know who you are, you know who where you are, you know who everyone is, and the relationships to each other, and the family dynamic, and the works, and it's all done from the viewpoint of a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like movies that spend time fleshing out worlds, and fleshing out characters, as long as it doesn't feel like, to the detriment of story. An Apostle, to me, doesn't do to the detriment of the story. It's a really interesting story. Um I think, is it as good as the Raid 1 and 2? No. Um, I, I think nothing really will be. I think those two right. movies. Whatever could be, Duncan. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I think it's almost unfair to pit this folk horror, you know, move, folk horror with a, a slice, a spice of Lovecraft, um, against, you know, the raid one and two, I think that's unfair to do it. Uh, what it does have is a great performance by, uh, Dan Stevens. Um, from the real, Yeah. And, uh, Michael Sheen. Oh yeah. Sure, uh, from right. fucking everything who is brilliant in this movie. Um, and a, a, guy who, I forget the actor's name, who plays like his sidekick, who becomes the main villain in the movie, who is f- fucking incredible. And a cent centerpiece of horror, which is up there with me with uh the, you know, the the Wickerman burning scene. And it's a folk horror movie. I love folk horror. That's that's my you know, that's a that's a very distinct UK form of, of horror that we had for, you know, like a decade over here that like certain movies. Wheatley leans into to folk horror and things like Kill List and all the rest um, and it's made a bit of a resurgence. Apostle kind of deals with that really, really well but it's a movie that takes a surrealist twist in it and then really starts playing with Lovecraft ideas uh, which is where I think the movie really levels up. Um, I think it's great. I, I think it's really very, very, very well acted, very well shot. A really interesting story um and like i can't think of a movie like apostle this year or last mm. year or the year before it's a very it, it's not unique in that you can see it's, where its influences come from but its influences are coming from movies you've not seen in like 20 years 30 years uh plus um so yeah i really 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 like that movie i i highly recommend it uh, it's in my top 10 horror movies for the year uh, granted it's not in the top five because uh, that top five is difficult um, but it's in my top ten and yeah I think it's worth checking out once again a testament to Netflix just being like yeah we're going to get that, that guy that did the raid movies and let him do a horror movie
0: <laughs> yeah, I, mean? yeah I, I think that may be where I end up tonight that that sounds real good um,
1: I, I you, so it'll be interesting to see your take on it because like I say it takes a wicked sharp turn in the movie towards like some really strong Lovecraft elements. And that seems to be the bit that it loses people. I think it loses people there because they're just, they are looking at the film in one dimension as opposed to looking at it in in three dimensions, which are, you can mix Lovecraft elements into a story and it's still okay to do that. You know what I mean? Um, And some of the visuals, like there's, like I said, there's a particular death me which had me sweating as much as i do when i watch the Worker man so
0: all right uh hey speaking of top tens let me tell you about a movie that is a hundred percent going to be in my top ten this year do it uh and that is mandy (laughs) yeah mandy's in my top three for the year bro. fuck dude the like It is almost criminal that Mandy did not land at a time when we were recording stuff. So just, you could see week over week as we just kept talking about it.
1: It's, yeah, it's a movie that like, like literally everyone for the bit, because I is my. it got released on Blu-ray in the UK on the week of Halloween. So it got released on the 29th of October, so the Monday. And I'd already said, you know, this is my Halloween movie this year this is the movie I want, it's Panos Cosmos, you know, I love Beyond the Black Rainbow, I think it's a, like a, a really special arthouse movie with a really interesting message and a fucking amazing visual eye, um, and this guy's doing a Nick Cage movie, which looks kind of bonkers, and I remember seeing the trailer for it and saying, this looks amazing, um, and then literally for the whole of October, I had people tell me, Duncan is going to love this movie. Duncan is going to love this movie. You know who's going to love this movie? Duncan's going to love this movie. And I was like, they're selling it too hard to me, Bo. Mm-hmm.
0: They're How could it, it possibly live up, right?
1: Yeah, it couldn't live up to it. Um, and interestingly enough, I heard your review of it. So you reviewed it on one of the kind of mini Devour episodes. Uh-huh. Um I, you didn't spoil anything, which was I was eternally grateful for. Um, but you were like that. This is a, like a, a four point five movie. There's a very good chance like a week from now, two weeks from now, this becomes a five, and there's a good chance by the end of the year, you know, this is up there. Um and I was like that. Interesting, this could work one of two ways for me with Bo. Like I could either be right beside him or I could be like, Really, Bo? <laughs> really? Yeah. Um I sat down and watched it, and talk about an experience that just—I I, I completely captivated me. That movie, like, completely captivated me, and it was weird and trippy and all the rest. And I—I I genuinely think you'd be hard pressed to argue that it's not one of the best horror titles from this year. <laughs> like, really, I don't—I don't know how anyone makes that argument.
0: Yeah, I mean, you. I can see people who are like, it's just, it's too fucking much, and it's too, it's too Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> it is too much it's, itself. um, Because it's not a movie that invites you in, and like, it nope. takes you by the hand. It's just like, Mandy is about to happen to your face. <laughs> and you're either going to be cool with that. Or it's going to fuck up your night. And Mandy happened to my face. And I had the same reaction that Nicolas Cage did when he takes the machete drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at after that happened, I was like, I this movie is so of the... Uh, so evocative of 70s grindhouse films yep. to the point that it somehow becomes more than that blossoms into this other thing that is more like, no, not just grindhouse films, just kind of 70s cult pop culture of mm-hmm. here's the the heavy metal cartoons and here's the concert tees. And here's the science fiction that was happening around that time. And oh, by the way, here's some Hellraiser bikers for no reason. Oh
1: and, yeah, centipede bikers are li- li- literally it was like the guy who was reading my mind,
0: <laughs> right? And it's just incredible. And uh, yeah, it. I, I think Mandy is one of those achievements that like. Again, if if this guy, if uh uh Giannis Kosmatos doesn't make another decent movie uh, ever, it doesn't matter. He he like this buys him entry into the club. Yeah, uh, I think. Have you ever seen Beyond the Black Rainbow? I've seen most of it. it wasn't really my thing. I felt like it was a little too navel gazing. Oh uh, uh, no, see, for like i
1: like like you. If you have not yet listened. To my episode on it. I recently started up a new segment on my show called Andy Loves Art House. Uh-huh. And I'm forcing Andy Blockley because he loved Mandy and he also loved Hereditary. And I'm like that. These are two movies that I would never put with you because you just don't like movies like that. And I was like, maybe you're with your age, you're starting to appreciate the finer things in life. Um I was like, oh, this will be a movie that we'll cover. And I lay out my whole theory for that movie, and I think that theory is pretty solid, and I think if you listen to it, you may... He, just, he says it didn't... He loved the theory, but I wouldn't prompt him to watch it again, but I think there's a whole hell of a lot going on in that movie, when people are like, nothing happens in that movie. I think there's shitloads happening in that movie, you just need to you need read, read between the lines. Um, but it's interesting that he's building his own little unit, because both those movies take place in the same year. So they both take place in 1983, which I think is... Like, infinitely fascinating about, like, just what is it about him that is obsessed with that year and the colour schemes? And just, yeah, it's like that movie. See, by the time chapter three starts and it's Mandy and the writing has morphed from kind of 70s psychedelic rock Mm -hmm. in the opening chapter to the kind of early 80s kind of thrash metal-style writing for the second chapter. And then you get Mandy comes up, and it's just pure out early 90s black metal mayhem-style writing for Mandy on there. And that whole last third, that last act, where it just goes, it just fucking turns it up to eleven. And becomes this weird, surreal, fucking, insane, you know, psychosexual, fucking, violent dream. Um, (laughs) Like when it just turns up to that, I'm just like that. This is, this is like, I, I, how did I describe it? Like it is such a singular vision. Like I can't remember the last time I've seen a direct like. We talk about we're talking about Suspiria. The original, I can't remember the last time I saw such a singular vision by a horror director to the point where I was like that, you know, this guy is crafting something that I've just not seen before, like, in kind of modern cinema at all. And, yeah, anyone that's, like, says it's too much for them or they, you know, it's... It's the people that say nothing happens for the first half of the movie. That irritates me because... It's setting up a relationship between two characters that you need that when that character dies, you then follow the journey of the hero to to gain retribution. You need that in there. You need that tenderness at the beginning, and it does it so well. And Nicolas Cage is phenomenal in it, mm-hmm. like to the point where he's almost unreg. I mean, there's a couple of Cage rage moments that happen, um I saw some people mocking the the grief scene in the bathroom and I totally disagree with that. I think and I'm Oh I really, love that scene. Yeah, I'm I think it's raw and it's emotional. And I think that's what grief is. I don't I don't understand how people are like that. You know, he's not very he's not very believable when he's grieving. You know, in other movies as well and I'm like that, people grieve differently. Some people don't grieve at all. Some people like hyperventilate. And, you know, the grief becomes overwhelming. Um, Some people scream. Some people punch walls. Um, All of them are valid. And I think you can tell that uh, Panos is behind the camera in that scene and is just like, do your
0: stuff, Cage. And you can see
1: even the way it's shot where the camera starts moving back, like, unexpectedly, because they don't fucking know what he's going to do next. Yeah,
0: I love that moment. I think it's It's one of the the greatest things about that movie is that, specific moment yeah and it's it's, oh oh, man it gives me shivers thinking about it's so fucking good uh and the the scene too when he goes in uh to find the like uh the drug manufacturer with the tiger in the case
1: it's like yeah as i call him the architect (laughs) yeah just
0: the way that entire scene plays out yeah is so fucking cool uh yeah i mandy's just the best man it that, it, that I am so pleased that that movie exists and seems yeah. to have come whole cloth from a fever dream. And, and
1: we have not even talked about Cheddar Goblin, Bo.
0: Oh, Cheddar Goblin shit.
1: <laughs> like, even that bit jumped up in the movie. I was like, it's so early in the movie as well. I was like, now I start that. This is cat or puppy for the, the 2018 generation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, no wonder Bo loves this. It's Oh, it's so good. God damn that movie! Little is Little goblin that vomits macaroni and cheese all over you. There, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so weird. What what was the the like somebody? Uh, or this was a story I heard about the production of this, where the guys who were filming that, uh, I think it was the last uh, podcast on the left is where this came up because uh, it's uh, the same team that does some work with Henry Zebrowski, mm-hmm. and he had said that they they asked the kids hey, kids, do you like uh, macaroni and cheese? And they were like, yeah, we love macaroni and cheese. And they're like, you're not going to after this. (laughs) Because they were just belting these kids with macaroni and cheese for hours as they were doing. day and set ever. Sure, yeah. And he was like, that's the funny thing is that those kids were unfazed by the amount of macaroni and cheese being hurled at them. It was still Mm. good at the end of the day. Um, Yeah, so uh, Mandy is... Just one of the best things out there uh, of this or any year, Duncan.
1: Yeah, I think Um, it genuinely is that fucking strong. Um, And once again, had you told me at the start of this year that Nicolas Cage would have two horror movies out this year that I would really, really like, nay, one that I would love dearly and the other one really, really like, I would have laughed at you. Um, Because I just didn't expect. Cause i just don't expect that from nicholas cage and um yeah i think he's oh yeah it's just so good it's so good it's such a such a necessary thing to come out this year because it's unlike anything else this year
0: um for all the best ways so, yeah oh, yeah, oh this, so good boy it's real good so, all right give me uh give me something else from your list Duncan.
1: Right, um, keeping with the the, the, the kind of the, the Netflix theme that we have running along here and leaning at something which is maybe less full-on horror and more a title that plays in the kind of 90s style of thriller which we would associate with horror, um, but we, we didn't want to call it horror because horror was a dirty word, uh, Caliber, uh, huh. which is a, a Scottish horror movie. Uh, thriller, um, which is very much in the vein of Shallow Graves, if you've ever seen that, the um, Danny Boyle. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. So it plays into that is... The, you want to talk about tense movies? This movie is Nailed It. Um, it's directed by a guy that lives in Edinburgh, shot up in the highlands of Scotland, and it's about two guys who they're going away on, one of them's about to get married, so his best man takes him away on what we would call a stag do in Scotland, which you would call a bachelor party, maybe? Is that what they call them over
0: there? Or uh, Yeah, or, or stag nights.
1: Yeah, st- yeah so the, the we would call it a stag do. Do being the Scottish slang for a party. Okay. And also, the way someone styles are here.
0: <laughs> Weirdly. I uh, None of this adds up, just yeah. <laughs> Let's get on with the story. And-
1: so so this all happens like in the first... I'll, I'll give you the premise, right? Okay. This all happens in the first 10 minutes. So they go up north. It's very much, once again, a kind of folk horror situation. They arrive in this small town. The locals are not impressed. Um, and they go out hunting. So they have a heavy night drinking, go out hunting. And they're going to hunt um, some uh, kind of wild deer in an area. Uh, one of the guys brings his gun up, is just about to shoot the deer. The deer runs off and he shoots a kid in the head. Oh, okay. And it happens, bit, you know. Yeah, a little bit of panic comes over because the dad comes running over, sees his kid shot, and his friend panics and kills the dad. And then they call a pumpkin head. And then they, they bury the bodies and very quickly return to town. But this is a small town Bow, and people are now starting to ask questions about where these two people have disappeared to and that is where I will leave you. It's fucking legitimately awesome like okay. <laughs> really really good nice short view, and it's about an hour and thirty five minutes i think um if you if you strip out some of the the kind of credits performances are great the tension in the movie is. Unsettling to the point that you will you will move around uncomfortably in your chair, uh, and the end and fucking rocks. <laughs> the end is really 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 good, um, and it it kind of shocked me. Um, it's a it's a low budget movie. It's a little indie movie, and it like I say, it reminded me very much of Shallow Graves. It has that kind of vibe, and I'm not just saying that because both movies are set in Scotland, um, but it has that that kind of feel of, you know, what would happen if you did this and the the guilt starts to gnaw at you but you're trying to get away with something and maybe the Tim's people are suspecting that maybe something's not quite right here and you're kind of trapped with them now uh, yeah, I'll say no more but it is, it is a, a strong recommend from me, um, uh, my 31 of October it is it was in my it was like top 3 for me out of all the movies I saw in October, so Hmm. i recommend
0: all right that sounds very cool um duncan i i see your caliber <laughs> and i raise you a satan slaves uh oh yeah boy!
1: let's do it let's
0: do it this is a movie that uh premiered to the best of my knowledge on shutter yes um it is a uh is it malaysian Or Thai, one or the other. Um, I think think it's Malaysian.
1: It's a country not necessarily known for their horror.
0: Well, and it's a remake slash reboot slash sequel to a movie that came from Malaysia as well, like 20 years ago, called Satan Slaves. Mm. Did not know that. um, Yeah, it's sort of a spiritual sequel, but also kind of a remake and blah blah blah. Anyway, but it's a um a movie about a a woman who is a very famous pop singer. She is very sick. Uh there is an implication that perhaps she made a deal to be famous for a while and now that deal has come due. Did you just drop Faust right into this conversation? A I little bit, so. a little bit. <laughs> uh and at any rate, uh it turns out that there's much more going on and crazy uh like the mother dies and uh uh, spooky stuff starts happening around the house and uh this all leads to a kid going up under a bus in one of the most ostentatious scenes of someone getting run over i've ever seen Mm -hmm. um and that's not even the the climax of the movie that's just some shit that happens along the way and it was like the fuck just happened uh, I reround that a couple of times and watched that kid get chewed up by a bus. Uh <laughs> it was it was something. At any rate, uh Duncan, I really enjoyed Satan Slaves. I thought it was uh it was really fun. Somebody said uh it, it's a bunch of jump scares that it's like uh the conjuring uh of Malaysia. Oh, I, yeah, and I was I totally like, disagree. I, I was totally like, disagree. kinda, yeah, but also way better. Yeah. And, and and much more engaging. And I was really into the story. And then when it takes its turn and there's like a secret villain in the movie that appears that was like, Oh, that's kind of creepy. And mm-hmm. I, I love it. I think Satan slaves was, was, was great.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought, um, the performances were brilliant. Um, I love their little take on, I always really get excited by kind of, asian horror films because i think their culture seeks in a way which is like the way they tell like ghost stories or the way they deliver i like was spoke about before vampirism like when we were talking about like a movie like thirst or whatever the, their little quirks and eccentricities and folklore that bleed in is so unsettling to me because it's not the norm the cultural norm for me is like things are delivered in a certain way and i mean some of the scares in this are just absolutely brilliant um, and it's a movie that kind of has fun with what it's doing as well, without being tonally a funny movie. But you can you can tell that they're like they're they're having a blast making this. The way they set up their their, their kind of scares, I think to to say that this is a movie that only has jump scares in it, that's because you're not reading the dialogue, like you're not reading what they're saying. Because if you were doing that, you see that story is actually really well written. Um, I, I very much like yourself, I love this idea this kind of Faustian bargain which is now finally, it's one of the reasons I've always said that like, one day I would love to see uh, Clive Barker's Damnation Game as a movie I would love to see that, I think it's a, like, a really good idea of what happens when the time runs out in a deal that you've made with someone and they come to collect <laughs> um Especially if it's someone supernatural, uh. Yes, yeah, so I I loved it all. I thought the practical effects were fucking brilliant, and yeah. like couple of, like really, really, really good. Just like on a level where you're like that, they do that over there. <laughs> like you know, for once again, for a country that's not necessarily known for doing that, the practical effects were fucking brilliant. Even even the kind of digital effects in the movie, I thought were done really well as well. You know, there wasn't wasn't too much in the way where I was checking budget to see how much had been spent on it, um, and it's not a very expensive movie either. And it just lands for me. Really interesting story. Really good watch. Um, had my attention all the way through. I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of those ones where people are talking about, oh, you know, new horror movies, and you have seen everything at cinema and all the rest. Get yourself a Shudder account and watch the movies that are making their way to Shudder because this is one of the ones that I think is really, really, really good. Um, and I will counter you with another Shudder title. Let's, we might as well just do their October content.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Terrified.
1: Yeah terrified i thought was great (laughs) like terrified the first 30 minutes of terrified unsettled me to no end um and then it becomes a really goofy fun quirky little movie um after that that i kind of loved and i know that uh guillermo del toro's in talks to be to be helping either direct or produce the american remake inevitable american remake um but yeah, though, there there is a, a, a scare with someone who may or may not be under a bed and a video camera, which I think is one of the better setups I've seen in a movie yes. for scares in a long time. In a long time. In that I got to a point where I was looking all around the fucking room to see where the scare was going to come from. And it came from a place that I didn't expect it. It is almost the... It, it almost delivers that Exorcist 3 level of scare in that the, the big obviously the big long because it's a long drawn out setup um, the scare comes at an unnatural point of when it should happen and it comes from an area that our character has just checked and nothing was there um, and yeah I thought it was I thought it was brilliant it, it kind of it gets a bit too goofy um after after that however the scene of the decomposing child at the table is one of the more haunting things i've seen in the movie this year Um, oh god damn that was a great scene and just like we is he moving is he not moving uh, the glasses tipped over just like b- brilliant once again it doesn't surprise me del toro is involved with the translation to the american market because that kind of makes sense to me uh, i was watching it thinking this is like the, the way this child is set up is like a grittier, gnarlier version of the devil's backbone um and the way the dead kind of child is portrayed in that like as a, a ghost form um, and yeah, the, the whole cop thing, it just get, it really gets kind of, I'm saying goofy, it's not goofy ass and funny, but it just goes bonkers. Yeah. And I kind of love that about the movie, a movie that starts off so serious and so uh, determined to get you kind of scared or terrified. The movie then just like, let's just blow this out and let's just start having fun with it. Uh, yeah, it's great. So that's another one where I was like that, Shudder, you're two for two. <laughs> I'm so happy right now.
0: Yeah, it was very cool. I think that it you know, it narratively kind of loses the plot uh along the way. Yeah. But also it's just so chock-full of cool shit that hits your eyeballs right that it, I I again, it's one of those movies I'm very forgiving of because it does have like that scene with the kid at the table that is genuinely unsettling. Oh yeah and uh and a couple of other moments as well like the the opening scene with the woman in the showers is real striking uh too and yes yeah uh, yeah, love that as well so yeah it's it's really cool um you know it wasn't my favorite thing I've seen this year uh but it it it's a must see if you haven't seen it yet for sure um let me uh throw in incident at a ghostland. Yes,
1: right. I'm interested in this one actually, from your opinion, because uh, cause I have strong opinion. This was also in my thirty-one of October. So,
0: yeah. So this is uh, uh what Pascal Pascal Lovier, Lovier, yes. uh of Martyrs' fame, mm-hmm. um, doing a movie that is not unlike Martyrs in a lot of ways. And yeah, it surprisingly feels like
1: a good combination of his two movies.
0: Weirdly. Yeah yeah it feels like so he he did
1: the tall man was his follow-up which is a movie which is criminally underspoken about i I don't understand why people don't talk about that movie more because it's really good it's not martyrs level
0: of good but the tall man's a good movie sure sure um i've never seen it to be honest i can't have you not oh
1: you should check it out man like it's is a is a surprisingly good movie for a movie that isn't you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like it comes from the same mind as the guy that does Martyrs. So it doesn't lean
0: into any of those tropes but it's it's a really 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 good story really well done um so i uh so i'll, I'll check out Tall man at some point um so i i uh, it's hard to say you like it because it's a it's a violent film Mm-hmm. And also, it does feel like he's treading over some of the same ground that I think he did better with Martyrs in this one, um, right? But th- that said, I think it's, I think it, it, it's a well done film, and I think there is something to be mined from it. I mean, it's brutal for sure. I think it lacks the final punch. I think it lacks the originality of something like a Martyrs. And and it's just the fact that Martyrs is so fucking good that he's forever going to be... Everything he does is going to be measured against that. And that's unfair, but that's what you get for making one of the best horror films ever. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, ever, yeah.
0: Um, I have,
1: like, strong feelings about what the movie's actually about. Like, I've, like, I'd, like... Once again, I've read i've read plenty about criticisms criticisms about the movie um and i have a very strong feeling that in a kind of almost in a kind of high tension sort of way that what we're seeing isn't actually even to that point isn't actually reliable
0: okay Does that makes sense yeah i mean some but Right, like yeah, my was... my
1: theory is like spoiler alert uh for a Duncan theory based on events which will not go into too much detail at all, so it probably won't affect it. Um but I think the whole story is something that she's wrote in a book.
0: Oh, really? Okay, okay. I, I Yeah, I, I think saying.
1: there's my my kind of strong reasons for that are specifically to do with um the the way that violence is enacted to the girls on screen and the sexual content as well which actually doesn't feel like the sort of i kind of stop shy of what you would expect it to do almost as if it's written by someone that hasn't experienced Uh that that's kind of almost writing about it but doesn't understand it um it also explains the like ridiculous overtop nature of the two caricatures of the villains which once again feel like they've come from almost a kid's interpretation of what like evil people would look like um and that's that i pivot the whole movie in that that regards as is actually her she's wrote she's one of the stories that she has wrote um about it and all the events in it that are are coming from that that is my theory on it. I really liked it. I thought like you, A.E. is treading some familiar ground. The same accusations have been flung against them, that were flung against them against martyrs, That is a deeply misogynistic movie which revels in the torture and abuse of women which is I a, a think that's flung against many horror directors. Uh, and in some cases, rightly done. In this case, I don't think rightly done because like I say, I think it's, it's a vehicle for telling certain aspects of the story which and You know what Pascal's like, he will, he, doesn't, he, he will not explain the end of martyrs. I'm fairly sure he's not going to explain what he means, by incident, in the ghost land. I think it's just up to the audience's interpretation. But I really liked it. I liked it, although it wasn't fully unexpected, I liked to kind of change in pace and the perception of the story in the middle. Um, I really liked that. I found the two killers deeply unsettling. Like, deeply, deeply unsettling. Yeah. And like I say, I kind of, to me, it evoked memories of, specifically of High Tension. It was like a martyr's high-tension kind of crossover with little elements of the tall man in it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really, 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 really good movie. I think I probably enjoyed it more than you did. Um, but like it was another one that like the next day i was thinking about it and then i was like you know it's weird that he you know those scenes to me just felt tonally weird why would it you know be so brutal towards the girls in some respects but when it came to like you know the sexual molestation it would do it in a way which felt weird like wholly weird for the movie and then you know doing a bit of reading online people were like well what happens if it's you know the st- uh, story that she's wrote and i was like actually that makes a lot more sense and when i look at the movie i've seen it twice now when i watched it the second time pivoted through that lens um i like that theory a whole hell of a lot whether or not it's true yeah who knows
0: yeah i i like that interpretation i'm i'm now i'm starting to wrap my head around that a little bit and i'm like okay yeah i can see that and yeah, the one thing you can say about this movie is certainly open to that co- that level of interpretation, and you wouldn't be wrong. Yeah. So there, you know, there's certainly uh, something to be said for uh, Ghostland, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it, it's terrific. I think it's interesting, and yeah, and one of those movies that, like, if you've seen Martyrs and kind of want to see something that is thematically uh, somewhat similar, um, yeah,
1: the, certainly akin to, it, definitely. yeah.
0: Yeah, if you really want to feel shitty about everything, it's a nice double feature. Like, start with Ghostland, <laughs> end with Martyrs, and nothing will matter. Um, yeah, and never look, at, never look another human in the eye again. <laughs> yeah. What 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 about you, Duncan? Give me another one. Hey, oh, where do we go next? Um...
1: I'll give you one that isn't horror. Um, I'm giving this out purely because it gives me an opportunity to say that I saw the new Ben Wheatley movie.
0: Yeah, how's that?
1: Um, so it's definitely... Have you ever seen Down Terrace, which is his first movie?
0: Uh, I don't think I have seen that one. I think uh yeah, is where he came on board, yeah.
1: Yeah, so Kill List is where he really got his horror chops and started, like, certainly being more interesting in that. Down Terrace is just, like, a really dark family drama. Yeah. Um, this one is a dark family comedy. Um, it's called uh, "Happy New Year," Colin Burston, um, and it's about this woefully dysfunctional family that are all meeting for a New Year's party at a fancy manor house that the kind of eldest son has booked and it's just as i I imagine it will lose a lot in translation with american audiences i I just get this feeling but it's cast really really well um i laughed a lot while watching it and it once again proves to me that when it comes to i mean he shot it in like 11 days edited himself wrote himself directed it himself Uh, you know like just the man is a fucking tour de force. Um and this was a little stopgap project that he's done whilst waiting for his next two big projects to kick off. One of which is um a Netflix funded interpretation of the fucking Hitchcock movie. Rebecca. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. I uh, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, which he's he's a about to go he's about to fly to america to start filming which once again if that doesn't get your nipples tingling then i, I don't know what the matter with you is because i want to see that movie and if it's in black and white all the fucking better um but yes yeah, so he's off to do that and i think he's got another What's he's got another horror project in the works at the moment as well um so it's excellent so not a horror movie at all um it's going to be doing the rims in the uk if you're a UK listener actually going to be shown on the BBC over Christmas, because it's a BBC distributed project, um, so it'll be out there for you to check out, and I hope it makes its way to America, like I say, I don't know what the American audience for it will be though, it is very much a British comedy, so if you have seen a lot of British com, like specifically BBC British comedy, things to do with British families and all the rest then I think you'll like it um it's funny either way but there are some thick regional accents that might put you off um yeah i thought it was brilliant uh and like i said i got a chance to see the new ben wheatley which makes me smile sure asked him a question sense. he answered the question and i got a giant quad poster which is so impractically large that it's now rolled up in a cupboard
0: perfect Sounds <sighs> well, like, yourself sounds like a good value um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what well,
1: about yourself? Name another horror title, and I'll I'll be able to pivot back with one in the end.
0: All right. I uh, I'll tell you what. Let's do one more piece. I like your style, sir. All right, and we'll we'll go out. Uh, my my film to go out on is one I still don't entirely know how I feel about it, but I know I feel something, and that's worth a uh, mention because uh, I barely feel it all anymore, Doug. <laughs> and um, and that's the movie Cam. Uh, which is a Netflix film.
1: Yep, I've seen it, so this
0: is good. And what I, uh, what what I both like and am and torn about when it comes to Cam is I don't know if I I'm supposed to feel a certain way at the end of the film about the character's behavior, or if like I feel like we end that movie where we began. And yes, and in a way, I'm wondering like, is the movie just way smarter than me? And we're ending where we began because no matter what the threat is, this is what like a modern, uh, young woman or or fame seeker or whatever is just gonna have to deal with. And I
1: disliked the ending quite a bit, but
0: enjoyed the journey up to the end. If that makes sense. Yeah, I may be 100% with you on that. Um, because I think it's a, a really fascinating story. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it gets into this world of cam girls in a way that isn't seedy. It's more like, no, this is their job and this is sort of the workplace bullshit that happens with it.
1: Yeah, this is how serious they take it. What, like, I, I love that aspect of, of the movie. And I, once again, it puts a different perspective on... You know, not only it's their, you know, it's their business, but how like they, how serious someone would approach that, down to the thought and prep they would put into before going on there, and how they interact with people, and almost that kind of level of, um, a, that kind of level of fake veneer to get people in, and the relationships that might be built off that, whether that's for monetary. Um, kind of goods at the end, you know, presents being bought from them or whatnot, are genuinely the the fact that there are certain people out there that they do kind of care about um, if they can help them achieve their goals. I I, I love that aspect of it. I even kind of dug the whole ghost in the machine sort of part of the story. It it has a heavy Black Mirror vibe about it as a movie, like a really kind of dark kind of Black Mirror vibe. But the ending to me is wholly dumb. Like, to the point where the movie's really clever and the ending belies, um, I, I think I kind of panic on how do we close this out. Um, it's kind of almost what you expect from, like, a horror short, the ending. It just, it, like, the, the the journey didn't, feel like it was worth it for the end and we got and then the central conceit of like you see almost being back to square one again i just don't think that character would do that after everything they went through at all i just didn't that to me was the bit where i was like "That ah, fuck this this is not believable now even though everything else but it is kind of unbelievable um yeah I, I i soured it for me but the whole journey up to that I was like, "This is brilliant." I really, really like it, and she's a great actress. Um, uh yeah, I was a frustrating watch.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with all of that. I yeah, it, it it's a movie that I have a lot of time for, but I just don't. I I I wish I felt more confident that the movie knew what the ending of of that movie was saying. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it does. To your to your point. I mean, I think we come down in pretty much the same place here. Uh all right. Duncan. Yes. The final film to be discussed this evening, it is your choice. Mhm. And uh let's uh let's hear it. What uh what would if not recommend what what do you feel like people ought to know that you watched and I don't Right. Know.
1: So you put me in an awkward position because I really want to mention too. So I'm just going to shout a name out and then just do a because I'm going to cheat because that's what I do, boss. All right, um, shout So it the, out. One go- the one I'm the one I'm going to shout out is only available in America at the moment. I got a screener for it through IFC. It's a movie called The Clove Hitch Killer,
0: okay. which
1: I highly recommend. Um, it's a oh, like a, a two minute, very brief thing, and I'll jump on. Um, uh, Dylan McDermott, (laughs) believe it or not, um, is a scout leader, uh, well-respected in the church. All the rest has this kind of devout family. Eldest son's involved with the scouts and all the rest. This all happens like in the first five minutes, so I'm spoiling nothing. Um, The eldest son takes a girl out to get a little bit, you know, frisky in his dad's van. Um, she's also a member of the church she reaches her hand down the side of the chair at some point and brings up this crumpled bit of paper which features some heavy bondage porn (laughs) on it which she thinks is his because he claims the van's his and it makes him look at his dad in a completely different light Um, and there's a string of killings which haven't been solved in the area by this killer that's been called the Clove Hitch Killer because of the knots that are used Nots that maybe a scout leader would know how to do Bo. Uh-huh. Um what follows is a kind of a kind of cross between uh interpretation of a retelling of the story of BTK meets um that indie movie from a couple of years ago called I'm Not a Serial Killer. Right, right, right. It's kinda like a cross between the two of them, but it focuses more on the the kids suspicion of the dad being a killer than it necessarily does about like actually dealing with the killings until towards the end of the movie. I think the performances are great. I love the way it's shot. Some people didn't like the ending. I love the ending. Um so it should be on your radar. Dill McDermott's brilliant in it. He's an actor that I don't really rate. Um but he's kind of Ned Flanders-esque in it in the way he talks about things, you know, okay. You know, this kind of way doing things. But that might just be because he is uh, Hiding something, Bo, or maybe he's not. Oh well. So available on IFC, check it out. Um, I think it's I think it's really good. It's one of those little indie ones that uh, is a. Is a little sleeper movie, um, which is kind of it kinda reminds me a little bit of summer of eighty four in terms of it's all about a kid's suspicion that an adult's a killer, um, and the investigation purposes, but it's obviously shot in modern times. Um and it's it's played a bit more serious, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's, I I think that it'd be worth a wee conversation once you've you've seen it. Okay. Uh, the move, the movie I will talk about though is Fringe Horror. Right. Um, but wears it, it wears its horror influences on its big bloody social commentary sleeves. It's a little movie called Assassination Nation
0: yeah so i'm very curious about this film every trailer i saw was like this looks kind of good yeah it's
1: really good it's a movie that i'm surprised no one's talking about (laughs) like i don't understand why everyone's not talking about this movie in 2018 it's a movie that is like socially aware to the point that it's 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 baffling how socially aware it is um uh, you know, as, so the, the premise of it is we're in the town of Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. See where we're going with this. Um, and uh, at first what happens is he, uh, uh, the mayor or the, whoever, the governor or whoever, his uh, emails are hacked. His cloud's hacked. And he's apparently quite right wing and kind of conservative, and some images are leaked of him getting down and dirty with men in bondage clubs. Um, and, of course, the town reacts to it. The, the, you get the kind of fake outrage and all the rest. And then the high school headmaster's account's hacked and his things are hacked. And then half the town, uh, all the photos and all their accounts are hacked and released to everyone and of course every dirt little secret, secret that happens in a town is then released and the town tears itself apart um, in the midst of this you've got this really interesting story about kind of how teenage girls interact with the world and social media uh, and all the rest um, so you have that kind of like it, it's like a kind of modernised version like the Heathers like really really but it's hyper-violent and hyper-stylized. And it is a movie that has the, the fucking balls, Bo, mm. on this movie. To not open with um, the score from Bird with a Crystal Plumage, <laughs> Mario Morricone's score. And that's the, you know, you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? But has a home invasion scene that lasts about 15 minutes, which is more terrifying than anything that any of the Purge movies have done, but is also shot like uh, Argento's Tenebrae in terms of the camera movements around the building. It is fucking amazing. And it is De Palma to fuck in its style and the way it uses its camera and the split screens. And if you're a genre fan and you did not see this movie, you have done yourself a disservice. You need to see assassination nation as one of the, as one of my favorite things I've seen this year.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, everything, uh, I, as I said, everything I've seen from it leads me to believe that that movie deserves a chance. And now yep. hearing what you've said, I am.
1: It will appeal to the genre fan in you. I, I think that was the bit where like, I come out the cinema and I was like giddy, like a schoolgirl. I was in there with my, my, my best friend who doesn't really watch, watches horror movies but he's not into horror movies and the song you know like the the, the song from the bird with the crystal plumage starts playing at the beginning and i was like oh oh <laughs> you're like oh and it's like that fucking argento bird with a crystal plumage and what dave heard was because he doesn't know who argento is sure. and he's certainly never seen bird with a crystal plumage um and like, there was other scenes and I was like, this feels like, it looks like De Palma. It like, This feels like a De Palma film. Like, if De Palma was young and started making movies now, this is what it would be. It'd be sleazy and over the top and, you know, it, it would it would, it would, reference things and you'd just really be very, very aware of its surroundings whilst being very aware of its genre. And then, like I say, you get a a home invasion sequence, which is actually quite harrowing when you put yourself in the mindset of it. Um, and then you get this amazing fucking tracking shot, which is, is Tenebrae, man, is fucking Tenebrae. And I, I just sat there going, what are they doing here? Um, but then that's all based around a movie that is incredibly aware of its surroundings, is incredibly aware of what is happening in your country right now. Um, and the division lines right down the middle and um, slot shaming and pol- police brutality and the way social media is being used and gun culture. And it has all these big weighty issues and it just it flings it all on the screen. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not trying to... It's not trying to, like... This movie doesn't want you to walk at the cinema and go, hmm... <laughs> Hmm, like you know, like that. Once you walk at the cinema, feeling like you have just feeling like you do when you've you, you've just been watching Assassination Nation. It's the it's the Suspiria like end of roller coaster ride thing. Right. Um, you need to check it out, man. I, I, I even if you even if you don't, I think you'll gravitate to the messages in it because you're living through it right now uh, as a teenage girl in America. Um, yes. <laughs> but Glad I think you finally
0: recognize me for who I am.
1: Even if that stuff is like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, it's too, it's too loud or whatever. From a a filmic point of view and a reference point of view, and just from a like the movie opens right. You were talking about bird with a crystal plumage. The movie opens with a. Warning: This movie features this, and it basically shows you like it's like a montage. It's like a quick thirty-second montage of quick cut scenes of violence that you will see in this movie, and then it delivers all those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking balls in this movie. It's just like it's like like all these fucking things. That, you know, like uh, will feature this 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 this. Fucking, you're just like what what like in terms of content, and then it puts it in context to the movie. It's yeah, it's, it's unlike anything I've seen this year. Um, and I kind of loved it and I feel it's worth talking about because like I say, there are a couple of scenes in here, which I think more than dip their toe in the horror pond. I think they take a piss in the horror pond and then, you know, have a barbecue at the side of it. Yeah. it's, It's great.
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm, I'm eager to, to catch up to that one. Um, all right. I, I mean, we could go on, Duncan, for for hours, there are other movies we could talk about. Uh, Night Eats the World, we could mm-hmm. talk about. Uh, hey, uh, you, uh, you know, there's this whole new uh, MST3K run on Netflix. Uh, I am a weird thing, yeah. I saw, and it's actually very good, it's really good. Mystery Science, what I'm This is what I'm hearing. So, bro. uh, I, I recommend that. Uh, but hey. Look, we're going to be back uh, pretty soon, folks. Uh, th- that uh, True Detective Season 3, right around the corner. It's like a month away. Yep. And we're going to be doing our regular episodes, our weekly episodes, as we follow the the twisty tale of uh, whatever Mr. Uh, his ha- has up his sleeve for us this uh this season i um, think we can be safe to see right now but it's mole people i would love mole people
1: um <laughs> one of these days it has to be mole people right
0: yeah it, it's probably i would go this season i mean they might get around to the mole people but it could also be um uh radiation zombies is oh yeah that's something that, you know, I hear around the water cooler sometimes, but maybe it's just because everybody likes talking about radiation zombies, Duncan. It's just, they do. Who they just, they just do. Um, But uh, before we get out of here, Duncan, anything you want to pimp uh, before we, we say goodnight to the nice people?
1: Um, Yeah, I don't know when this will drop. All I will say is Podcast under the stairs is doing a ridiculous amount of content in December. So come check it out, even if we're not talking, on one episode about a movie that interests you. I guarantee in the month of December there is something for you and Bo is featuring on three episodes um in December so and I'm of, sorry. So as three so let's put this in perspective. Three episodes of DBCC in the space of a month um with with the, your dynamic duo and uh three episodes of Podcast Under the Stairs with your dynamic duo. So that's six episodes of me and Bo in a month together. So yeah, we spoil you bastards. We spoil you too much, but you're worth it.
0: Are are they Duncan? Are they really? Well, I
1: th- I thought I would try and go as soon as, as soon as I said that I was shaking my head. Like, I was like, No, they're
0: not. Right. That that's probably not true. Yeah, um, so a lie. But <laughs> so it's- but but folks uh look here's what's gonna go down um we're gonna you know after hearing this episode uh we'll be all for about i don't know like three weeks something like that and then uh and then uh true detective will be back i would ask you folks uh if you would uh check out over on devour the podcast uh on that feed um a new show a little a little sideshow uh for devour called it was 20 fears ago today uh, which the first episode is now out on, and it's basically just chit-chatting about uh a particular movie that is has just turned twenty years old. Oh, nice! And it's a a bit of a an oral journey, oral journey through the film. Uh, some clips from the movie and chit-chatting about those. And uh, yeah. So uh, it's only about half an hour, and you can hear the first episode now. And another one will be out next month. It'll be uh just a little monthly thing uh for de- uh, uh subscribers to devour their, uh, the podcast um that said i think that's going to do it uh we'll see you next time when we are talking about true detective hbo's true detective uh season three episode one duncan say good night to everyone
1: i'm gonna do the thing that Bo didn't want to do or forgot to do have a merry christmas listeners and have a wonderful new year and we'll see you in 2019
0: Hail Satan. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Sucking up.